Uh, praise the Lord, everybody. Well, good. It's good to be here. It's good to be here on a Wednesday night. I feel a bit like a cheater um, because this last year has been incredibly challenging uh, with that fourth baby. And my dad had this saying where he would say he turned into a pumpkin at midnight while she turns into a pumpkin at 8 o'clock. And so if you're lucky enough, you may get to see it. Let's hope not, though. But I feel a bit like a cheater, especially the last two months. We've been sick and probably missed more in the last two months than I think we did in the last four years before that. But we're healthy. We made it. Even Brother Heath was on backup just in case. Texted me a couple times and said, hey, we still, you still good? You still on? I said, well, unless the Lord's giving you a, a burning message, I said, we're, we're still on. So it's good to be here. Uh, it's good to be home. It's good to be with my family. And Rachel was able to be here tonight, which is, which is nice. She was able to switch her schedule. So we, we are doing a lesson 3.4 on following Jesus or following the teachings of Jesus. And, uh, you know, sometimes you think it would be nice if there was just a list of do this, do this, do that. And uh, you read through the Bible enough and you realize they did try that at one point. Um, and it actually didn't make life easier because there, there are situations that come up where there are no rules for that. You cannot make enough rules for everything. And when it comes to following the Lord, there's not this set of rules that he lays down. There are certainly guidelines and principles. Uh, but one of the things that we're dealing with at work is, you know, we're becoming ISO certified. And uh, it's, a, it's a standardization. It's a, it's a way to show people you follow all the quality controls. And one thing that we continually find every time we mess up and do something is that there needed to be a procedure in place for that to not happen. And so you can go down this world of just procedures and standard operating procedures, SOPs. We, I got a meetings tomorrow on SOPs and because we constantly have to develop a new rule for a whole new situation that comes up. So when it comes to following the Lord, the New Testament, and specifically the things that Jesus says helps give us some really good guidance because what it addresses is kind of this underlying principle, and Pastor talked about it on Sunday, of the heart. There are these very, very, very specific things that are addressed in us that almost if we, when we get this right and follow the Lord correctly, that some of these rules and the situations kind of start to take care of themselves. And so the key, the key scripture... And I'm going to use my Bible here tonight that John She's bought me. I got to show this off here. John She's bought me this Bible. It was brand new when he bought it. I think it was, John, was it for Christmas or was it for uh, Christmas? And uh, he thought I preached so horribly last time <laughs> that he said, I'm going to get you a good study Bible and I want you to use it the next time you speak. I said, I'm going to use that study Bible the next time I speak. So I had it with me, and I was able to use it. So thank you, John, for that. I will use it again, and hopefully it's not as bad this time. 
But the key scripture here is Luke chapter 6, verse 46. And this is kind of the key. We've got more scriptures to go through, but Jesus says, he says, Why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Why, why, why even bother? If I'm going to lay everything out and give you all kinds of, uh, of good stuff, if you're not even going to do it. It's kind of like whenever the, my kids and Reese is in here right now. Hi, buddy. And whenever he does something and it sometimes messes up, Reese is very quick to apologize. He's very quick to say sorry. Very, very quick. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Now, a lot of that comes from probably fear. But he's very quick. Sorry, Dad. Sorry. Well, when something keeps happening over and over again, there comes a point when you have to kind of say, are you really, really sorry? Are, are you really, really concerned about what you just did or are you just trying to get out of the punishment for it? So that's what Jesus says. He gives a list of some things we're going to go through. And then he says, why, why even bother to call me Lord if you're not going to do what I say? So later on, the epistles are real good for how we conduct church. It's good for a lot of things. It's good for how to conduct a Christian life. But there are some real fundamentals. And what's interesting is every time we study, every time I bring something new, every time I'm looking at something, man, I got to tell you how the word convicts and the word begins to look at you. And obviously you have to look at yourself. And that's the convicting power of the Holy Ghost that comes upon you. Because you want to, you, you read the words and it encourages you and wants to go on and you, and there are some things that I begin to read in this lesson, and man, is it always a check. And the Holy Ghost begins to check us. Because why call him Lord if you're not going to do it? Why call yourself a Christian if you're not going to follow Christ? Because obedience is not found in only doing the things that I want to do. Obedience is found in oftentimes doing the things that I don't want to do. If I tell my children, go eat a bowl of ice cream after every meal, no problem, right? Because they already do that anyway. And how happy would they be to go eat another bowl of ice cream after every single meal? Obedience for them is when I say, you can't have ice cream until you finish the plate that's in front of you first. Because obedience is found in whenever I submit myself to someone and say, now I'm going to do what you asked me to do, even though I don't want to do it. And it's funny because it seems like the things that the Lord calls us to are all the things that the flesh doesn't want to do. And immediately, when our flesh reacts against those, we tend to think that there's an issue that's not normal or common to man. When in fact is, whenever my flesh reacts to these, it's the exact proof of what Christ was saying. We're going to go to Luke chapter 4 and verse 20. They call the, this is the Beatitudes. It's the Latin word is beatus, which is blessed or state of supreme happiness. And blessed is life will go well. And I, I would say that one of the things we say in our prayers every night, and Reese says this in his prayers every night. I'm going to use him a little bit since he decided to stay up here tonight. Reese, what's one of the first things that you say in your prayers every single night? Do you, I, we haven't coached this. I want to see if he, if he does it. You've blessed me with so much. Thank you, Lord. 
Every single night, one of our prayers, and we talk about our blessings because the Lord has blessed. I consider myself one of the most blessed men on the planet. And then I read through the Beatitudes, and I had to ask myself, am I blessed the way the Lord wants me to be blessed? Am I blessed really because... The Lord has blessed me with a great job. He's blessed me with a beautiful wife. He's blessed me with four great kids. So far, I have my health. He did take away my hair, but blessed, I got a great shaped head. So I'm blessed. And we thank God every single night for our blessings. Always be, and, I, and it's proper to do that. But man, when I read through these, I, I begin to ask myself, Lord, Am I blessed the way that you intended for me to be blessed? Because when my flesh goes against the things that are in this word, that's usually a pretty good indicator that that's the Lord working on me. When I don't want to follow these blessings, that's usually the pretty good indicator that I need to. When I don't want to pray, that's the indicator. So Jesus is talking. So this is most likely taken from the Sermon on the Mount. Obviously, Jesus probably would have said these things multiple times. I don't know if Luke, when he was listening, if he actually had pen and paper and was writing this down, or if he just heard it so much. It's very similar to the, to the Beatitudes that are in Matthew with the Sermon on the Mount, um, which they tend to, Matthew kind of gives a bullet point list a little bit easier. But, but Luke goes into this and he says... Talking about Jesus, says, And he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, Blessed be ye poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. How are the poor blessed? Poor is humility in spirit. Those devoid of the spiritual arrogance. Those who regard themselves as insignificant. And the paradox is that I can be so blessed that I cannot be poor in spirit. Maybe the Lord's, I've got so many blessings in my life. Am I, am I exemplifying what he's saying here in the sense of poor in spirit? Thinking lowly of yourself. Because the equivalent of poor to the Lord is actually rich in his kingdom. Those that don't think highly of themselves he said, blessed are ye that hunger now, for ye shall be filled. And Matthew says it a little bit better in this. He said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed if you're hungry? No, no, no. See, I'm blessed when my plate is full. I'm blessed when I've got everything that I want. I'm blessed when I've got every single thing taken care of. That's not the attitude that Jesus is talking with. Those that hunger and thirst. Am I so full of everything else that there's no room for God? There's no hunger for God. Am I so full of videos? Am I so full of everything I have to do and schedules and time that there's no longer, by the time I lay my head down at night, I'm, I'm so full of myself that there is no room for the Lord. The reason why we don't eat ice cream first is because there won't be room for dinner. There won't be room for the vegetables. There won't be room for the proteins. 
We go on in the second part of verse 21. It says, Blessed are ye that weep now, for you should laugh. Weeping? How? How am I blessed? Because your spirit has regret over your sins, over your own spiritual weakness. And when you get into these words and it comes alive in your spirit, your spirit should begin to, to quicken and say, I am man. How, how dare I begin to not be lowly, think, think more highly of myself than I ought to, to not put God in his proper place, to not follow that first commandment, to not put everything, for God first and everything else secondary. And then he goes on in verse 22 and says, Blessed are ye when men shall hate you. But who really wants to be hated for the sake of Christ? Because we spend a lot of our time making sure we can toe lines so that people do like us. I don't want to say anything too Christian. I don't want to draw the line too straight, too sharp. Heaven forbid I alienate anybody. And it says, when they hate you and they separate you from their company and shall reproach you and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. And I didn't say if you're just a jerk, yeah, nobody's going to like you. But when they do it for Christ's sake, I think you're in pretty good company because the next scripture says, rejoice ye in that day. Be happy that people don't like you. And leap for joy. For behold, your reward is great in heaven. For in the like manner did their fathers unto the prophets. You're in good company. If you think you're going to be liked for Christ's sake by this world, take heed because it's the false prophets that everybody liked. But blessed, hungry, poor, weeping, hated, reproached, cast out. That's not blessed, Pastor. That's not what you meant by blessed. That's, that, that's pretty tough. Because am I ready to be blessed the way that the Lord really wants to bless me? Am I able to receive what he really wants to bless me with? Because I, there are blessings I want, sure. certainly. I want the pretty wife. I want the four healthy children. I want, there are blessings that I want. But God will do whatever he take, whatever it takes to bless you the way that he knows that you need to be blessed. Whether it means times of isolation, whether it means times of loneliness. Whatever it takes, God will get you to a place for those that humble themselves and can really absorb these scriptures. Because, of course, you're going to see yourself in them and realize, is this how I'm blessed? Because we like the good blessings, but these are the blessings that the Lord really wants us to have. And he goes on next, and if the blessings weren't enough, the next four parts are the woes. What do you say when you're riding a horse and you need that horse to, to stop? Whoa! So... Not only is he saying, hey, listen, I got some blessings for you. These, these are blessed. You're, it's going to go well with you in your life if you do these things. But whoa, and we'll see the, the exact inverse of these. He says, 
in verse 24, it says, But woe unto you that are rich, for ye have received your consolation. That's the opposite of poor. We automatically will associate the rich with God's blessings. He says, Woe unto you that are rich. Woe unto you that are self-sufficient. Woe unto you that don't need me. Woe unto you that can do this on your own, with your own ability and your own talents. Verse 25 says, Woe unto you that are full, for you shall hunger. Now I know something about being full. I spend a lot of my time not being hungry. Because no one wants to be hungry. But when I'm so full of myself or I'm so full of self-righteousness, there's no room for God. And there's no room for, to hunger for the Lord. Woe unto you that laugh now, that are obsessed with the cares of this life, self-indulgence, no regret for your sin. It says, for ye shall mourn and weep. Next verse says, Woe unto you when all men shall speak well of you. Be cautious when everyone likes you. For so did their fathers to the false prophets. The key in all of this is that you can get so full of yourself that there's absolutely no place for God. You can get so full of how you're, you're even in self-righteousness, Look at what I do. Look at what I've attained. That there is no room. And one of our lessons uses the example of Mount Rushmore. And it said, how impossible would it be if they wanted to put a new president's face on Mount Rushmore if they looked up and said, let's do it over top of Lincoln's face. The sculptor surely would have a very difficult time trying to sculpt over. Why? Because the material's just simply not there. Because something's already been sculpted in the image of Lincoln. You're not going to get another president over top of another one. It's the same way God looks at us, and when we've built our own sculpture and our own image, and probably one of the greatest false images we have is ourself, making ourself our God. And the world now says, you are, you are your own God, your own truth. You do whatever you do, makes you happy, no problem. But it goes against everything that the Spirit tells us for the child of God when they read these scriptures. We're going to skip some of the verses, but the, he goes on in chapter 27 all the way through 38 and continues to give some actual advice. Things like love your enemies, even when they curse you, bless them that curse you. One says turn the other cheek and Reese usually says turn the other cheek inside out. But that's not what the Bible says, is it? It says to, if, some, if a soldier asks you or someone asks you to go one mile, go two miles. All the things that, again, against our human nature, against this flesh, he goes on. So it's very practical applications of how to live in the Spirit, how to walk and follow the teachings of Christ. Because the friction comes whenever my flesh and spirit 
collide. And I feel the spirit drawing me, but my flesh is the resistance. And it's this friction between the two. But if you know anything about friction, friction is what ultimately causes the movement. A car with four wheels, without friction, the four tires would just stay in the same spot. You wouldn't go anywhere. You have to have the friction. And that's the spirit and the flesh warring against each other. The trick is, is that we then think that something must be wrong with me because I can't seem to get spiritual enough. No, your flesh is never going to be able to get you spiritual enough. You ever try to fast in the flesh? You'll be eating by lunchtime, probably breakfast. I have to let my spirit, the, the spirit of the Lord, come and take over. And I just have to say every time I'm craving a donut, Lord, you know. And we have these people at work that literally come and drop off donuts just about every day. There's a bag of donuts sitting there in the kitchen. And it's a temptation, I know. Listen, I'm real good at keeping cool in a conversation if I know that something's, if I know something's coming, or a problem's coming at me, or I know somebody's aggravated, I know there's a situation, I'm actually really good and can usually maintain cool. But you catch me off guard. You, or you cut pastor off while he's driving. <laughs> or he cut somebody else off. That is right there is where the muscle memory of exercising Christian principles has to come in. Because if you're not walking in the Spirit and following Christ and consistently practicing these, you know, muscle memory are those things that we do when we're, con you know, for example, disarming someone. They'll practice. You watch videos of them practicing the muscle memory, how to disarm someone, and they'll go over and over and over again so that when you actually need that skill, it will be instant. It will be, won't even have to think through it. Um, policemen practice handcuffing so that they can quickly do this. Because if I have to sit there and get handcuffs out and handcuff somebody, I mean, trying to maintain arms. You ever seen trying to maintain an arm, trying to hold them, they're squirming, trying to get, okay, hold on a second. Can you, can you hold still? Let me get the cuffs, cuffs out. My cuffs are caught on my belt because my belt's too tight and I'm trying to get them loose. And then I'm trying to throw them out. I lost, dropped the key somewhere, who knows. And then I'm trying to twist. The muscle memory that they have to have for an instantaneous clap, clap, boom, you're in, right? The same Christian principles and the same Beatitudes are the things that we have to practice continually so that not so whenever we're prepared, so that when we're unprepared, when I haven't had a moment to quick pray and talk to the Lord and ask for wisdom. So whenever you're at a football game and the opposing coach yells at our coach about my son's performance and my son's crying, that I don't quickly just all of a sudden break free and do what I did because I'm learning because it takes a moment to pray and say, Lord, there's that where I needed muscle memory. That's where I needed to remember what you asked me to do, what you called me to do, to remember that I'm a witness here. And maybe I shouldn't be arguing with this coach who's twice my size, believe it or not. Maybe that's not what the Lord 
intended. But the pressure and the friction is what will drive us to grow in the Lord. And the trick of the enemy is assuming that whenever you do feel that, that you must be doing something wrong. And that's where you look deep inside and you really have to analyze and talk to the Lord and realize that that's probably the next phase of growth. One of the things that they find after you've broken a bone and that it heals is that that location where it's healed is actually now stronger because it's healed. Trees without wind and resistance don't grow strong enough roots. This is the Christian walk. This is the developing. The trick of the enemy is to make you think that when you are in the developing stage, that clearly you must be doing something wrong. And if you're not careful, you can get caught up in that, I'm not doing something right and stay in the rut. But there's something that's very freeing about taking a moment in prayer, talking to the Lord. And all of a sudden, a scripture like this opens up. And you all of a sudden see how God's really trying to bless us. How God really cares about us. Because God will not have spoiled children. And he will not have those that don't understand the riches of his love. How much he cares for us. And what his intentions are to grow in us. Verse 44 says, For every tree is known by his own fruit. For of thorns... Men do not gather figs, nor of bramble bushes gather they grapes. If you've been preparing your whole life to be an orange tree, you're not going to produce apples. If you've been preparing your whole life to be a jerk, you're not going to produce good fruits and be an example and a light to the world. Verse 45 says, A good man out of good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of the heart his mouth speakest. When you fly off the handle because you get cut off in traffic, out of the abundance of the heart, you want to get a good temperature and a good measurement for, where, for what's in the heart, get caught off guard without time to think about it. And this is why after he says all this, we come back to our main verse in, chat, in verse 46. And he says, and why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things I say? If we're going to call ourselves followers of Christ, then we better be following Christ. And especially in this hour, when we see what's going on, wars, rumors of wars, Famine, pestilence, diseases. Maybe it's tomorrow. Maybe it's not for 10 years. Maybe 15. But I guarantee you that time is closer today than it was when I was a kid. And it's closer than it was when you were a child. And if we're going to be the church, there are plenty of Christians. But the followers of Christ will be recognized because you can't hide the light. You can't hide a light because all a light has to do is what? Go into a dark place. Everyone knows it's a light. 
there's really not much you have to do if you're a light. And then the Lord goes on and he says in verse 47, he says, Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them, I will show you to whom he is like. And he goes through the parable about the house, building a house on sand versus building a house on rock and digging deep. And we know that one pretty well. And for the sake of time, I'm going to start closing with, with this. And it's a story that was in our lesson and I kind of paraphrased it just a little bit. It says, Farmer Brown had a farm with an old fence and a few cattle. He had an old bull, and the old bull liked to walk the old fence line looking for a weak spot or an open gate. Whenever he found it, he would exploit the weakness to go visit the neighbor cows. Farmer Brown has told the bull how much he loves him and has tried to make him understand where his home really is. But still the old bull would just find a way out whenever he had the chance. Farmer Brown also had a pet dog too. And that dog would follow him wherever he went. She lived on the back porch of the farmhouse. The yard was not fenced in. And even if it was, the dog could easily jump over or dig under it anyway. So there was never a point in trying to build a fence to hold her. Farmer Brown can leave for vacation and that dog will still be waiting when he returns. So which animal are you like? Do you love the master so much that you don't need a fence? Or are you pacing the limits of the restrictions, looking for any hole so that you can please yourself and do as you want? Because it seems like it might be easy if Jesus would have just given us a set of rules. But he didn't do that. He didn't come for individual mandates and do this, do that. But he wanted the law to be written on our hearts in such a way that we would know at the time what to do and when to do it. Because there will always be a situation where some rule doesn't quite match or doesn't quite fit and has to be adjusted. And all of it's summed up when Luke gets to this point when he, he says what Jesus said. He says, and Jesus says when he was asked what was the greatest commandment, and this is really the heart of, of following Jesus' teachings. And he said this, he said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. All that is summed up. If you could take the law, the Ten Commandments, all of this is summed up in that. Following Christ becomes, am I empty enough so that the Lord can build this stuff in me? Because I will tell you that without his help and without giving over to the Spirit, crucifying the flesh on a daily basis, this is impossible to do on your own.
We need his mercy and his grace every single day. And the moment that we wake up and try to do this on our own, it's going to be a remembrance right in your mind. Every single day, I've got to die daily. Every single day, I've got to remember these scriptures and let them live over and over and over again. Because blessed in my eyes is very different than being blessed in the Lord's eyes. And if there's not enough room for the Lord because I've made myself and I've decided what I'm going to do, why call him Lord, Lord, if we're not going to do what he says? So I, this was the lesson three, four. I, I hope that it, it speaks to you the way it spoke to me um, on the blessings. And, and let's just take a moment and let's just pray. If we could all stand, I'll turn it over to pastor. But I want to say a prayer that the Lord will really help us in, in seeing his blessings the way that he does. Lord. I pray for myself, I pray for this church, I pray for our pastors, our leadership. Lord, we thank you for direction. We thank you for your spirit. Lord, I pray that you will continue to open our eyes to following you, Lord. I pray you will continue to open our heart, Lord. For anyone in here that's questioning, anyone in here that's doubting, for anyone in here that's experiencing the fear of following Christ, Lord, I pray that they will literally just see your words. Read your words and apply it to their heart because without you, we are nothing. Lord, let your spirit move. Let your spirit move in us. Let your spirit move in our church, in this city. God, that we will follow you. And when we say we're followers of Christ, there will be no doubt that we are followers of Christ. In Jesus' name. In Jesus more blessed when I'm poor and when I'm hungry because then I'm more desperate and in more of in need of God and I'm I'm saying Lord help Lord I need you Lord I, when everything's going good